Let's pray as we get into the message this morning. Our Heavenly Father, as we get into this uh, difficult subject about guarding our hearts from the things that uh, can do damage, uh, Lord, be with me this morning that every word brings glory to you. And Lord, I pray for clarity so that if there's anyone here that this helps, uh, Lord, that's what we pray for. And Lord, most of all, we just thank you for your Son who gives us hope to overcome some of the most difficult things in life. And it's in Jesus' name that I pray. Amen. So we're going to continue this series called Guards Your Heart. Last week we talked about the transformation of the heart. But these next three weeks we're actually going to get into really difficult emotional things that all of us have to deal with and that God wants to help us with. Uh, some would say these are bad habits. As a matter of fact, it's called breaking habits that break your relationship with God. Now, when you hear that word habits uh, or bad habits, all of us, every human being has bad habits. Would you all agree with that? Trust me, we all have bad habits. Uh, I love from Despicable Me this quote, I'm a good person, I just have bad habits. As a matter of fact, I guarantee you, you could look to the person next to you and you could easily share a bad habit that you have. Uh, I only ask that you don't look to the person next to you and say, you are my bad habit. Okay, that's probably not the way to start. But I read some, I love this, it's some, some folks of self-confessed habits that they have and you may be able to relate with them. None of them are from here, okay? Uh, these are uh, complete sinners from another church. But anyway, here's, here's some of them. Um, <laughs> this is good. I cannot stop collecting plastic bags. Maybe some of you have that bad habit. You go to Kroger, and if you need one bag, why not six? You know, it takes a lot to carry the cereal home. Uh, if the sweetener packets are, are in a holder and mixed up, they will be organized before I leave the table. Maybe you have somebody like, that just drives them nuts. After years of working in restaurants, I can never stop stacking plates for my server when I dine out. Now, how many of you have ever worked in the restaurant business? Raise your hand. So here's what I've noticed about anyone that's worked in the restaurant business. That's number one. They love to clean up because they know how hard that is. You know what the second thing they make sure? Anybody? They tip well because they've been there and they know, okay? So here's another habit. I can't stop checking my phone every five seconds. So I'm kind of looking around to see who's, yeah, we got a lot of sinners here, okay? Even if I know there are no notifications, it's like I just can't stop looking at my phone. So today we're going to look at three emotional habits. All of us deal with these. We're going to hopefully give you some tools to battle these. Three emotional habits that we're going to tackle are anger, jealousy, guilt. Anger says, you owe me. You've taken something from me. Jealousy says, God owes me. If God had given me what he gave so-and-so, I'd be happy. And guilt says, I owe you. I've taken something from you. Ambrose Beer said this, speak when you're angry and you'll make the best speech you'll ever regret. That's another thing we all have in common. We all have embarrassing times in our lives that in anger, something rolled out of our mouth and we're like, oh, I just wish I could just take that back. Uh, and it's too late. So we're going to get into anger this morning. Matter of fact, we're going to look at the effects of unresolved, unchecked anger, and then we're going to look at some long-term solutions. So first of all, let's look at the effects of unresolved anger. Now, take your scriptures and turn over to Matthew chapter 18. 
Uh, look on, now you can look on your iPhone. If you need to check that on your iPhone, your iPad, whatever it is to get to Matthew 18, we can also follow it up on the screen. And uh, this is a parable. And you need to understand that Jesus tells this very heart-gripping story uh, when he's asked a really difficult question. And it's one of the disciples, Peter. And Peter says, you know, Jesus, where's the limit? In other words, when it comes to forgiveness, the Jewish law is seven times. Is that all that I need to do is forgive somebody seven times. And I want you to hear Jesus as he responds to that question through this parable, starting with verse 21. And then Peter came to Jesus and he asked, Lord, how many times shall I forgive my brother or sister who sins against me? Up to seven times. Jesus answered, I tell you, not seven times, but 77 times. Therefore, the kingdom of heaven is like a king who wanted to settle accounts with his servants. And as he began the settlement, a man who owned him 10,000 bags of gold was brought to him. And since he was not able to pay, the master ordered that he and his wife and his children and all that he had be sold to repay the debt. By the way, that debt, if you're taking notes today, would be the equivalent of 60 million workdays. That's a huge debt. At this time, the servant fell on his knees before him. Be patient with me, he begged, and I will pay back everything. The servant's master took pity on him, and he canceled the debt, and he let him go. But when that servant went out, he found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred silver coins, which is the equivalent of about three months salary. He grabbed him. He began to choke him. Pay back what you owe me, he demanded. His fellow servant fell to his knees. He begged him, be patient with me, and I will pay it back. But he refused. Instead, he went off and had the man thrown into prison until he could pay the debt. And when the other servants saw what had happened, they were outraged, and they went and they told their master everything that happened. And then the master called the servant in, you wicked servant, he said. I canceled all your debt, all of yours, because you begged me to. Shouldn't you have mercy on your fellow servant, just as I had on you? In anger, his master handed him over to the jailers to be tortured until it could pay back all he owed. This is how my heavenly Father will treat each of you unless you forgive your brother or sister from your heart. Now, I don't think that's the response Peter was looking for. Do you? I think he wanted to, yeah, seven's good. You know, you just, just forgive him seven times and, and walk away. And Jesus is like, oh, Peter, that's a loaded question. And you're trying to put a limit on God's grace and God's forgiveness? Don't you understand the debt he has paid for you? And of course, Peter's like, no, I, I didn't think about that. And it's something for us to think about is what goes on in our life when there's unchecked anger. There are two examples of anger, uh, and I guarantee both of us have experienced these one is visceral anger. You know what visceral anger is? That is immediate. It's kind of like this. You're late for a lunch appointment, and you're trying to get through town, and you're, you're dodging all the cones and the workers and the scooters, you know, and you're trying to get through town. So you get there, and they're slow at the counter. So you finally get your lunch, and you rush to the table, and that's the one day you don't put a lid on your soda. It spills all over you. That's visceral. That's when you say, oh, my land, I'm having a bad day, right? No, 
you know what you say. Well, don't repeat it in church, but you know, you know what you're feeling. And that visceral language, that is real. It's a little lag time from action to reaction. I call that the firecracker. Now, full confession. Uh, is there anybody else uh, that's Scotch-Irish? Am I the only one here? Raise your hand if you're Scottish or Irish. Good. Th these are folks you need to stay away from in, <laughs> in an anger situation, okay? They get kind of get ramped up quick. The other anger is called meditative, meditative anger, and that's anger that grows over time. We stew on something, or we focus on somebody that has wronged us, and it's like a crockpot. And uh, Cindy Strickland, right after service, uh, shared something with me. She goes, you know the thing about a crockpot is people keep putting things in it, and that's what happens. We have this anger, and just things start to stack up. The danger is, is how we control our anger and what we do with the anger and the storms that come our way. All of us need to realize the danger of unchecked anger in our hearts because we have this attitude that everybody owes us, and they don't. You know when you're getting, I always say, ramped up or amped up, it's when little things really begin to get to you, and you really kind of think the world revolves around you, like you're caught in a traffic jam, and you're thinking you're the only one whose schedule matters. Like everybody else in the traffic jam, they're having the best day of their life, but you have places to go. And you tell the person in front of you that you don't even know. You're screaming through the window, I have places to go. I know none of you do that. But if you know, anger's just starting to set in. Modern theologian um, Mirov Volf said this, Christ forgives through us, and that is why we can forgive. So in other words, there's a lot of folks, the only way they experience the grace of Jesus Christ and the forgiveness of Jesus Christ is through us. You are representing Jesus Christ. So how did Jesus Christ forgive us? It was all or nothing, wasn't it? And he gave everything. Holding on to a grudge is like letting someone live rent-free in your head. When we are bearing unforgiveness and we're angry at someone as if we're punishing them, it doesn't work that way. We punish ourselves. It's been said that holding, holding on to anger is like drinking poison and expecting the other person to die. That's how serious it can be when we don't forgive. Anger can do a number on all of us. Matter of fact, I heard about this woman years ago that uh, got bit by a rabid dog, and they gave her some shots for rabies, but the doctor said, now I've got to give you some good news, but also some bad news. The bad news is if this doesn't work, uh, you're not going to pull through this thing. So precautionary measure here, but I would probably start writing a will just in case. So she took out a piece of paper. About an hour later, he came in, and she's still writing. He goes, oh, my land, that is, that is a long will. She goes, oh, and this isn't a will. These are all the people I'm going to bite. Okay, now see, that's, that's not how you handle anger. That's how anger works. It gets in our lives and all of a sudden it starts to control us, and that's all we can think about is getting even. You know, aren't you glad that, it, that we serve a risen Savior and we don't serve Clint Eastwood? Do you know what I'm saying? It's not about revenge. It's not about getting even. It's about forgiveness. How do we do that? And what are some practical long-term solutions to do that? Ephesians 4, 31 and 32 says this. Get rid of 
all, highlight that, all bitterness, rage, and anger, brawling and slander along with every form of malice. Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other. And here's where it gets right in our lives. Forgiving each other just as Christ, God, forgave you. So let me give you some just practical ways that uh, we can start working through anger. And let me just uh, open up by saying this, because I think this is so important. Uh, I asked first service this, and so see if you raise your hand. How many think anger at all times is a sin? Raise your hand if anger is a sin at all times. Anyone? Okay. Uh, here's the deal. It's not. Jesus got angry. But what anger Jesus are not the things that anger us. Anger is a very raw and real emotion. Uh, and we're all going to have to deal with anger. If we're honest, my guess is this week, uh, all of us had at least a, a day or two or some moments where we, we were angry about something. Okay? You don't have to confess that openly, but I guarantee you, anger is real. So how do we deal with it? Well, here's the first one is breathe. I can't tell you how much I read about just literally taking a deep breath. And again, if you're Scotch or Irish, take 10 deep breaths. But slow down and actually try to breathe. And then this happened a few weeks ago, but it was such a valuable lesson. Don and Libby Rader. I don't know if you know Don and Libby. Don is one of our elders. He's done the, our communion meditation, uh, offering meditation several times over here. And his wife, Libby, is just... She has such a sweet spirit. And she did the devotion for our staff. And uh, she was talking about how the work, she was feeling so anxious. And this is a, a few weeks ago. She goes, I was so anxious because I looked around in our area and I was like, is the world beginning to fall apart? And uh, she, she shared this story. And I'm sure you read it in the papers too in Indianapolis where the, uh, the dad killed his two teenage children and then killed himself. And she started thinking, and she said, I started getting anxious. And she said, but when I'd get anxious like that, I'd take out a piece of paper and I'd begin looking up specific verses out of the Bible that will bring me comfort. And then I'd pray over those. And so she began to share some of these verses. And I was so thankful because, you know, I've been doing that for a long time in my life. I have a, I've actually have it laminated. I have a page with scriptures on it. When I know I'm going to go into a tense meeting or I'm going to really have a hard day, I will pull those specific scriptures out, and I will pray over those. I want to encourage you to do the same, to find scriptures that will encourage you. If you have an anger problem, look up scriptures that deal with anger. If there's somebody right now you cannot forgive, you need to get scriptures about forgiveness and let God's word begin to breathe in your soul. Second of all is simply go for a walk. Think of how often, we talked about this a few weeks ago, that you read Jesus was in a crowd, and then here's the key word, he withdrew. Why did he withdraw? I think there were times Jesus, to be honest with you, had just had enough with us. And he's like, okay. And he would go off into solitude, and then what would he do? He'd reconnect with the Heavenly Father. And that walk meant everything. A few years ago, and it was the strangest thing, is I had this a group of men, it was a Bible study, morning Bible study, and their backgrounds were so different. And I said, hey, just for fun, I've never done this, but I said, why don't we name our group? I'll let you guys name the group, and that'll kind of solidify us, okay? And without even hesitation, one of the guys yelled, we, I want us to be the wild hogs. 
And I'm like, none of us even have a motorcycle. And he goes, doesn't matter. I like the name. So we were the Wild Hogs. For about three years, I met with these Wild Hogs. And I remember when we got into this lesson on anger. I don't know if you know this, but a lot of men <laughs> deal with anger. And I started looking around the circle. Uh, we had an outdoor enthusiast. We had two trainers. We had a football coach. We had a former secret agent actually worked under one of our presidents. And they all began sharing how to deal with anger. And they all said the same thing. And you know what it was? Sweat. Exercise. Go for a walk. I mean, get out there and sweat. And what happens to a lot of folks is they think, I'm just going to curl up in a ball or I'm going to watch something on TV. No, you need to get out and you need to get moving. And how critical it is to sweat. And then number three is huge. Seek wise counsel. Don't be afraid to seek help. Uh, for years now, I found this quote uh, by one of my favorite authors. His name is Stuart Briscoe. His wife, some of you have heard of Jill Briscoe, and he's 87 now, and he's still just so wise. And he said that in any relationship, he said, if you'll learn these three-word uh, phrases, three three-word phrases, it will help every relationship. So I share these with couples that are getting married as part of their vows. Uh, matter of fact, I had a wedding yesterday, and I had them share these. Matter of fact, I have them repeat. Number one, I am sorry. Number two, I usually put my hand on the groom, and I say, say these words with feeling, I was wrong. Dylan, do you remember saying that? Have you been saying that? Good man. Okay, so <laughs> I am wrong. But here's the hardest one. I need help. Men really have a hard time with that one. We can't fix everything. I need help. And I want you to know that that's what the church is all about. We want to be able to offer help. Uh, one of the things that was mentioned to me between services, and uh, I think it's so important, <clears throat> is if you call Sherwood Oaks uh, East Campus and you ask for Claudia Mitchell, that's a good place to start. And Sherwood Oaks offers all kinds of counseling. And we start with free counseling, everything with relationship counseling, personal relationships. We deal with personal issues, uh, financial issues. Uh, but if you need help, please ask for help. We're here to do whatever we can to help. I love what God's Word says, and I, I just want to land, and I'm going to read these quickly from Proverbs about seeking wise counsel. Proverbs 1.7, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Fools despise wisdom and instruction. Proverbs 11.14, where there is no guidance, a people falls. But in an abundance of counselors, there is safety. Proverbs 15.22, without counsel, plans fail. But with many advisors, they succeed. And then I love this, Proverbs 24.6, for by wise guidance, you can wage your war. And in abundance of counselors, there is victory. And let me tell you, if you are here today and anger is gripping your life and you have unforgiveness in your heart for someone, you are waging a war. You are waging a war. And you need to allow God to get through that wall. And he's there to help. 
I've shared before, I love music, all kinds of music. And I love a lot of Billy Joel's stuff. And the greatest introduction to a song, in my personal opinion, uh, a Billy Joel song is Angry Young Man. Matter of fact, go on YouTube and put Shea Stadium, Billy Joel, Angry Young Man. I'm telling you, that is so good. But he has a song uh, called Angry Young Man, and I just want you to listen to the lyrics. There's a place in the world for the angry young man with his working class ties and his radical plans. He refuses to bend, he refuses to crawl, and he's always at home with his back to the wall. And he's proud of his scars and the battles he's lost, and he struggles and bleeds as he hangs on his cross, and he likes to be known as the angry young man. Give a moment or two to the angry young man with his foot in his mouth and his heart in his hand. He's been stabbed in the back. He's been misunderstood. It's a comfort to know his intentions are good. And he sits in his room with a lock on the door, with his maps and his medals laid out on the floor. And he likes to be known as the angry young man. I've known some angry young men. And you know the only thing sadder than an angry young man or an angry young woman is an angry old man, an angry old woman who live their whole lives with this rage and unforgiveness and they're mad at the world. And I think Jesus is just shaking his head saying, come on, I'm here. I can help you with this. Folks, I'm telling you, I know it's hard. Uh, working and managing anger, anger is so hard. Um, I shared this first service. and Some of you may or may not believe this, but uh, I can just tell you growing up and even uh, our first few years of marriage, uh, man, anger is an issue for me. Um, I don't get angry often, but I, when, I, when I got angry, it was like like that firecracker I mentioned. And uh, I could tell you there were times like Marie would be like, you, do, you are not going to do that again. Like breaking stuff and throwing things and screaming. And then just a few minutes later, like, well, was there a problem? And I'm like, well, no, there is a problem because now there's collateral damage. Uh, there's times with my kids I look back and I'm so mad at myself that I couldn't control this. So I'm telling you, I know it's real, and I know it's hard. And there's all these layers of anger, but I'm telling you, there's nothing worse than anger that leads to unforgiveness, because if you don't let that go, I'm telling you, it, it'll get you. I'm telling you, it will put you in a prison you don't want to be in. And Jesus say, man, I've got a key. I can get you out of there. But folks, I'm telling you, you can and you need to get out of there. 